0: Seize Your Mind, the podcast about soccer, mental toughness, and life. I'm your host, Brandon Stone. Today's guest is FC Tulsa's head coach, Michael Encien. How are you, Michael?
1: Um, I'm doing well. We're, we're back to training a bit, so I'm, I'm back in my comfort zone. I'm happy.
0: Good, good. So uh, full force, like everything's like 100%? No,
1: it's uh, we, we still have quite a few restrictions, but we've just opened up today, just starting today into phase two, which is we're able to group at least 10 players together. Uh, okay. It was over the last three weeks, it's only been four groups of four. So uh, still no contact, but um, at least we're getting more and more players coordinating together.
0: So no like slide tackling or? No like contact
1: that. at all. Shoulders, hands, no.
0: Yeah, that's tricky.
1: That's uh, exactly. So training, organizing training is, uh, it takes a toll on you trying to be creative you know, for the players, but uh, it's it's pretty difficult.
0: So, is it kind of just like foosball? <laughs> Everyone's yeah, well, like...
1: You no, know, seriously, it's it's almost like a lot of technical type work. And then um, this week, since we have 10 players, at least we can kind of go into some pattern play and different type of movements with 10 players. So, uh, or, or that's at least some growth in, as far as what we're doing, but yeah. Uh, even in a rondo, you know, it's just like intercept, no tackle kind of thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. When do you expect to be, like, 100% back?
1: Uh, Well, they set a play date uh, scheduled tentatively for July 11th, so I'm going to assume by next week they have to, you know, within three weeks of playing a match, you need to be full contact. So I'm going to assume by next week we should be going uh, almost full steam, so... Cool. That's the hope, anyways, for me.
0: Good deal. Good deal. Warming back up. Uh, yep. who, do you have a? a who, do you know who the game is scheduled with against? You'd no. To, okay. Um, nothing like
1: that. Uh, we we do know the league as far as the the divisions. Uh, they'll they'll be quite changed. It's, it'll be still east and west, but they'll break they'll break the west into four groups and break the east into four groups. More regionalized, so we're not flying as much. Right. Uh, so there's still everyone's still pretty sensitive to you know the travel and things like that. So uh, everyone's still trying to maintain good social distancing, all the safety precautions possible.
0: Cool. And what about like is the rosters are there, are is there any is the window open still for like adding new players or is that finalized? Yeah,
1: yeah I, I mean you know the window the window is opening, but you know we haven't we've only played one match, and you know and so players really haven't. Gotten a fair shake to see what they can do, uh, so we we pretty much just maintain our current roster, and I don't see us being very busy in the market uh, bringing in new players. So we we're, we're, we have twenty five, okay. and uh, we're set to go with those twenty five as as of now. Cool,
0: cool. Well, uh, let's let's talk about your history. How did you get up to where you are now as a head coach of Bessie Tulsa? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, obviously. Started as a player, you know, I, I would say my, my father's a Nigerian immigrant, came to the U.S., introduced me to the game and, you know, kind of instilled the passion in me uh, from his side. And then, um, you know, typical, had my youth career, went into college. Um, I, I would say from college on to trying to break into the professional game um, and, that, and that time in you know, early 2000s was pretty difficult not, not that many teams uh, as, as there are right now. So uh, I think kind of the, that was kind of the, the winding road as far as that's concerned. But uh, once I kind of broke in, you know, I, I had just like anyone the adversity that I had and, you know, and then had a few injuries, things like that and started to start a family. So I wanted something a little bit more consistent. You know, I always felt like I was going to be a coach. So uh, that's kind of how I got to that point.
0: You had that mindset of being a coach from way early as a player.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, you can't play forever, and what this, to me the second best thing from being a player is being a coach. You know, yeah. co- playing is number one. Coaching, you know, is is you. I want to stay connected to the game a hundred percent. So still want to be on the field. Uh, so coaching was a natural movement for me.
0: Yeah, I guess you're as a coach on the sideline. You're only a couple feet away. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. We're the best, best, best spectator. You know, we're still, still involved. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, when, what, the, how old were you when you got to the States?
1: I was born, you I was born, born here. here. Okay. So my dad moved dad here.
0: Um, here. About,
1: I think he was like 19 or so. So he came very young also.
0: Okay. Did he play back at home in Nigeria? Yeah. Professionally?
1: No, not professionally. You know, um, in, in Nigeria, you know, it's, the parents are really hard on you in, in regards to education. So his, uh, he, him being the oldest son, they wanted him to come to the U.S. and, and get an education. And, you know, to obviously to help uh, his family back home and things like that. So uh, he played like high school level a bit, but uh, nothing, not not professional.
0: Gotcha. But he's the one who got you into soccer.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was uh, pretty fanatic about it for sure.
0: So you grew up in Tulsa, right?
1: Grew up in Tulsa, yes. Yeah,
0: and then um, what clubs did you play for? here? Who who were some of your mentors that you kind of loved from?
1: Well, uh, after playing, you know, starting playing, my dad actually started a club. There was a club called Tulsa Thunder uh, back in the day that uh, my dad started and uh, ran with uh, Gary McDonald, someone in the youth scene was very influential in in terms of, like, helping the growth of the game. Um, So I played. I played for that youth club all the way up. Um, a lot of my friends played for, you know, TSE and some of the other clubs that still exist. Uh, Thunder's not around anymore. So um, mentors for me would be, you know, a lot of these guys that um, some of them played in the ONA- NASL roughnecks, guys like Victor Moreland and those guys who are around and help, you know, they coach me uh, at the Olympic development level, the state level. And then I had guys like my personal, uh, coaches uh, as far as on my club side. Uh, Tama Ondafar was a Nigerian coach that I had. Terry Manuel, who's still still coaching to this day. Uh, Steve Hayes, you know, those are some of the guys uh, that probably influenced me the most.
0: Cool, cool. And then what was the process of choosing a college? How did you end up in Ohio?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good one because, you know, I was I was pretty well recruited, you know, when I was coming out, they had this program called Adidas uh, ESP, which the top 150 players in the U.S. Uh, so they, they flew us in and had all the scouts there and things like that. And I was pretty highly recruited by, uh, I would say, all the top 25 universities. But I was really attracted to the University of Dayton uh, from the head coach. The head coach had just won a national championship in 96 with Wisconsin. And uh, he wanted to come to the university and kind of take that program to the next level and it, it, that was exciting to me just building a program uh, from you know not not the bottom but from a level uh, kind of a mid-tier level and then wanting to bring it up to the top so that was my decision going uh, forward with that and uh, I, I have no regret about it met some great people um, maybe the, it was more of a winding road maybe if I went somewhere else maybe got drafted or something like that uh, maybe would have been easier but uh, all the lessons that I took from it, I, I'm using to this day. So, yeah. I think it was a positive experience. Cool.
0: Um, did y'all win a national, national championship or?
1: No, you- we did not. You know, we we had some good seasons, you know, had had some good records in terms of, you know, um, the, the wins and losses, but uh, never, never got far enough.
0: Neither. Cool. Um, how'd you get into pro then? Will you play for LA Galaxy after that?
1: Yeah. So after after college, you know, like I said, I I didn't get drafted. uh, But, you know, it was always on my mind to play. So I I was never going to take no for an answer as far as that is concerned. But um, I had an opportunity through uh, a contact that was here in Tulsa to go to Nigeria and and train or trial for the Olympic qualification team. Uh, One of the former Nigerian coaches was actually in school in Oklahoma. Uh, and kind of knew what I was doing and knew of me and gave me a good recommendation. So I went there and things worked out well for me and I was playing well there and in the mix. And of course, you know, it's never easy. Uh, Actually, I came down with malaria uh, while I was there and um, we didn't qualify. We didn't qualify for the Olympics. That was for 2004 Olympics. Uh, So I was able to come home, recover. It took me a while to recover. Uh, Had some other trials set up. Uh, went to Middle East and other places and then uh had a good contact that sent me to Los Angeles. So I landed there.
0: Well, what was the trials like?
1: Uh in, in LA it was uh just in LA or all over?
0: No, in LA. Yeah.
1: Uh in LA, you know, I would say that that team was pretty star studded, you know, but um I was just I just started and I was, you know, training week in and week out. Um, you know, just Trying to do the best I can. It it was never like, uh, it wasn't like, okay, two weeks and we'll see. It was like, uh, you know, I'm there for a week, two weeks, three weeks. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I had some friends there, so I wasn't in a rush to Mm -hmm. push them to make a decision. So uh, time went by and things were going well for me there. And uh, uh, I I still remember when uh, the coach brought me into the office and offered me a contract, and I think the, the other staff and kinda of got back to the players. So when I came back into the locker room, the all the players are kinda of like, you know, clapping their hands and celebrating. And I, I remember uh Landon was like, I mean, what are you guys clapping about? And they were like, oh NCN, he signed the contract. And Landon kinda of in his own way, you know, kind of jokingly like, you know, so what? We all got contracts here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the big deal? Yeah.
1: And I, I was like, hey, let me have my moment, man. Let me have my moment. But uh no, he was really really cool, you know, we went, he took me out to the dinner that night, and, you know, so it was good, I mean, that was the start of my professional career.
0: It was back in there at the time?
1: No, uh, that's, that's actually another good joke that I have, so, the next, the next year, um, a new coach came in, uh, later, Frankie Allen had come in, and I, um, and I, I kind of make this joke that they sent me out, I got sent to Portland, and I just, told, I told everyone that, you know, they had to clear up some of that cap space, some of that money for for Beckham to come in. So, so I when he I was on my way out when he was on his gotcha. way.
0: Yeah. Cool. You didn't get to play with him then at all, like not even uh, to practice.
1: Not, no, I did not. But you know, I had a quite a few of my friends were still there during that time. So, um, I mean, I, I hear nothing but uh, good things about him as far as being a professional uh, in yeah. that environment.
0: Cool. Speaking of being a professional, where did your work ethic come from? Like you said earlier, I won't take no for an answer. Like where did that drive come from?
1: That's that's an easy question for me because that's my mother, 100%. Um just just maybe a little background about her. She she had my older sister at 15, you know, and finished and finished high school, had me at 19 on on my way out to college. Uh I I'll never forget it's about 6:30 a.m. and I'm I'm going to drive up to Ohio, and she she said, you know, I, I, can't, um, I can't impart education. I can't tell you to take education seriously if, if I never had a college degree, so I'm going to tell you I'm going to college to be a nurse, and she told me that morning that I was leaving, and, and she said, and also I'm going to graduate before you, <laughs> So mm-hmm. she and uh, she did. Three and a half years, she became a nurse, uh, so I would say in terms of work ethic, I think to this day I don't know anyone that that works as hard as her. That's
0: cool. Very cool. It's a good role model to have. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your uh, culture that you've kind of brought to FC Tulsa. How do you – tell me about the culture there. What are some things that you've changed once you've gotten there? And um, just kind of tell me more about the culture there.
1: Yeah, I I would say in terms of culture, I think – I mean, football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. It's the world's game. You know, what I mean, uh, I think it's I think it's important to Tulsa. Uh, it's important to me, at least, that you know players from all over the world come to come to Tulsa and they have a, they have a good experience. You know, uh, you know, I think before they move here, none of them could point Tulsa on the map. You know, but um, I have a lot of pride in it, it being my city. Uh, I want them to have a good experience here. So um, we recruit players from all over. Um, When they come in, you know, it's important to us that they can all work together, which, you know, you can see in society today, that's not something that's a given, you know, Uh, but we we really, we really, our coaching staff in in the club, we really have uh, a bit of pride about getting guys from different backgrounds, communities, religions to come in and, you know, to go the same direction. You know, that's important to us. That's coaching in a nutshell is how do you get a group of guys you know, to focus on one objective when they all have their own. All players have their own agenda and things that they want to achieve. So do the coaches for, for, for that matter. But how do we concentrate and uh, kind of take a back seat and put one objective first, which is to win? So I think with the, the new owners coming in and kind of changing the, uh, the, the, the resources to say, let's, you know, Tulsa, I think it's been, you know, in, toward the bottom in terms of uh, payroll, you know, in the USL, so we're we're much more competitive in that in that mindset at this point. Uh, and the reflection is the quality of the players and experience that the players that we've brought in uh, this the end of last season and, and this year. Um, so I think on day one, it's how do you change that mentality that um, and they've done a rebrand, but to to make it stick and to create a a new not just new jerseys. You know, but to make that brand mean something is trying to get it right from the beginning. So, I mean, I was involved on the Roughneck side, and it was great. It was a great uh, learning experience for sure. And I'm, the opportunities, you know, I'll be forever thankful. But, you know, on the FC Tulsa side, it's, okay, this is the brand. We want that brand to be top class in the USL. Uh, we want to have results, and we want top players to get it done. So, um, how do you want to play? Oh, I want to play like this. These are the players that I need. Um, okay let's go get them and you know and sometimes we compete and we lose, and sometimes we compete and we win in terms of recruiting players, but we were this off season we were pretty successful in bringing in some um, elite players um, so that's where that's where we've been um, since preseason you know we had to take that pause in the season, but we were off to a good start, and uh, we've created a good mentality and environment that uh, the players are on the same page that sounds
0: like it good how do you go about recruiting people from all over the world kind of how does that work
1: yeah i think the world's become smaller because of technology you know uh just like me and you can sit here and talk i can i can do the same watching players i can communicate with players like this uh that's that's important to me there's there's a there's a ton of players out there that that have good interest in coming to the u.s and playing at this level to to get exposure for Uh, Other markets are just playing in the U.S. at a high level, you know. So, um, recruiting, I I have some connections in different places and guys that I trust. And they might send me some players and, you know, sometimes, okay, I'm interested. Maybe I go see for myself and I I make a trip to another country or whatever. And then um, sometimes I can't and I just look at the video. But typically I I try to see most of them live, but I can't always do that. Uh, Then you just try to have conversations over the phone or look at someone like, like now, you know, just to get a genuine feel of, okay, I mean, there's a lot of players that can play. Are they a good person, you know, or are, are do we hit it off? What kind of vibe do I get from talking to this person? Are they going to buy in? or they just kind of have their own plan and they're not going to, uh, you know, fall in line in terms of what you're trying to build at FC Tulsa, you know? So you just try to you try to recruit and get a background from past clubs or it, it is a really small world. You. Sometimes I talk to someone, oh, yeah, I know someone that was at that club that year. I'll call them. And then you get all this information about, you know, how they were in the locker room, you know, some disputes they might have had and, you know, how they either didn't overcome them or they did overcome them. And you learn a lot about players by asking, trying to figure out and dig deep and, uh, you know, do your homework.
0: Cool. Interesting. So what have of HR cut type stuff, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, you have to be you have to be all parts, man. It, it is. It's uh I mean I don't I don't have a bunch of scouts on my payroll and things like that. So I, I do have to kinda do those things on my own, but it takes some amount of trust from from other people also.
0: Right. And I'm sure with uh, it, it being such a small world and you know, the internet, there's probably like information overload. So kind of having to dig through all the noise is probably difficult too.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it, it happened to me a lot early on. You know, you get you get bogged down. I I get, uh, you know, so many contacts a day that people reach out to me and send me video, uh, things like that. People have you know have no idea they found my email address or Facebook or Instagram something, you know. So sometimes it's like okay, you know, you just I just can't, you know. I just kind of go with. Uh, the certain little circle that I have that I trust, that I get information from, and then once in a while, I look, you know, if I get some time, you know, it's like okay, I've I gotten a few emails. Let me try to catch up and see if there's anything that catches my eye. You know, sometimes like that's not bad. Bring a guy in on trial and and see, and and you know, other than that, it's like okay, delete. You know, and, and sometimes it works out. You know, sometimes it works out, and I I, I do respect. I was in that position, uh, so I respect players genuinely. Uh, trying to play, hey, whatever I can do if I can get a contact, I'm I'm gonna reach out and I'll get there. I don't care if I have to drive and sleep in my car, you know. So I, I do respect that as a former player, uh, but as a, being on the coach's side now, also understand that uh, you know you you do have to manage your time properly.
0: That's cool that you were in that sh- in those shoes as a player, so it gives you better insight as a coach and as soon. Yeah, I can really really feel where they're coming from. Yeah um let's talk about the mental side of the game how do you help your uh your players with confidence let's start off with confidence
1: yeah yeah i mean confidence is one of those things that i mean you could you could be at 100 and, and drop to two you know right away or vice versa so i mean i think what's important to me is that you get a good understanding of your player you know like uh I know I'm coaching seeing, but at the same time, uh, I, I do have to get to know their, their people first, you know, so getting to understand them as, as people and how they operate and, you know, and being as simple as like, how's your day, how's your family. And I mean, that's, that's enough information. To let when, when someone answers that genuinely, you know, what kind of mood they're in, you know, and, and when you're genuine about that, you know, you understand how that affects their behavior and their day and how they're playing. You know, uh, some guys, uh, that hour and a half a day takes, you know, it takes all the stress off of them. You know what I mean? Uh, and they, they're they able to kind of compartmentalize and, you know, what, what they need to do. Sometimes guys are doing it and they're trying to support their family. So they miss shots or they're not uh, in the starting 11 or the 18, the amount of pressure is piling on them. You know, so I, I just try to come at them with an approach of, hey, we all have reasons why we do this you know, first and foremost is because we love the game. And then, you know, and then life happens and then we have responsibilities and those things weigh on us as far as pressure. But, you know, I just try to get them to reflect on remember why you started, you know, you have to have love for what you're doing. So when we're out on the field, uh, we're working hard, but at the same time, you we, we, we have to have that joy and that passion. So whatever pressure that's on you from, from all around, you know, from, you know, how, what, what happens in life, uh, just try to release that, you know, and, and love what you're doing in that, that hour and a half and get the most out of it. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to pick 11 players and 18, you know, for the bench, and either you, can, you can't control that. You can work hard and things like that, 100%. And then I, I try to have my best judgment and I make decisions. But, you know, uh, you can't beat yourself up constantly about it. You, you just have to be ready when your opportunity comes, you know, and, and that's what happens, you know, a guy gets injured, or all of a sudden, I say, you know what, I'm going to go with this guy. If if you've been bogged down for a week, you know, about what's happened to you over four weeks, and that opportunity comes, you know, you're, well, not ready. you're not ready, you did yourself a disservice. So it's like, hey, you never know. And my assistants are, 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 they're good at that also. Hey, because I'm telling him, hey, keep this guy plugged in. He's doing well. I, I see an opportunity coming from them. And then there, you know, and, but I don't want his form to be dipping because he's not playing. Got to keep him. Let's keep these guys encouraged because you never know. And you know, and, and we, we're we're pretty conscious and intentional about uh, trying to keep guys motivated. Stay, just staying in touch with these guys, you know, uh, because just like they do, I have a responsibility uh, to win. You know, so I have my own uh, pressure that comes with being a coach. So sometimes I mentally I've tuned out and I haven't spoken to a guy in a week and a half or whatever. He's probably thinking, I don't know what coach thinks about me, you know. So me and my coaching staff, uh, we try to be intentional about uh, being in contact with the players. Has
0: there been a specific person you can remember that their confidence started to dip and you had like a heart to heart with them and they came back?
1: I, the, yeah there, there's a ton of examples. I mean I, I try to keep that you know those experiences private a bit, but uh, there's tons of examples of uh, uh, guys that, to be honest, I recruited as, uh, as, a, as a second player as, as depth, as coverage, you know and and they just continue to work hard. I mean that, that I mean everyone will tell you there's no secret to it. you know some guys just I'm just keep working hard, keep plugging away. You gain you gain trust of your teammates, you gain uh, trust of the coaching staff, and then you get an opportunity, boom, you take advantage of it, and then you, you're you're there, you know, and, and hey, it can happen just as fast the opposite way. You know, you maybe you've been working hard and then you get that opportunity for whatever reason doesn't go well, then it's like boom, you tumble. How do you how do you bounce back? Is it a is it a long bounce back or or, or, or on that Monday after the Saturday match? Are, are you upbeat and, and wanting to go at it again? Or, or did you feel like you fell on your face and it's going to take me weeks to recover? I mean, that's that's the mental side of the game that uh, uh, players, the sooner the better they find out about themselves, uh, it can be positive because those are just going to be days that aren't yours. And, and, you know, when the pressure piles up that I haven't gotten an opportunity and this might be my one and only, and uh, it doesn't work out. I mean, how do you respond to that, you know? The, does do you rise to the occasion again, or, or is it a major setback?
0: On a moment like that, I'm sure people get really nervous. Is there anything you help get their players to calm the nerves down?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think everyone has their their own things that they do. Um, for example, I mean, for us, we, we do have a, a mental therapist on staff. You know, um, I think this year the intentions are to to improve on that and, and to be more intentional about how we do that. Um, I've been to – I've visited some of the top clubs in the world, and uh, being in the, in the coach's office, uh, they're selecting players to go to a Champions League match, and they know I'm going to leave this guy off the roster, and he's going to go ballistic. I mean, this isn't going to be good for anyone. Uh, so have the – you know, have the psych person on call. Uh, let's, see, let's see how the training goes so that the team travels, and, you know, they have their own – their training session for the guys who got left behind. Sure enough, the guy is disruptive at training. He's not listening to the coach that's there. Uh, that that took the training, and then the coach, boom, hey, you have to go see the the, the psych the psych Piscola, whatever <laughs> I have you said in the language that you know that I was there, and then uh, boom, they have to go and sit down and have that discussion about how to refocus because hey, th- there's going to be another opportunity if if this is the way you handle things, the coaches aren't they're not going to trust you can recover.
0: Yeah. So you do have a mental therapist at uh, SC Tulsa. What kind yeah,
1: of stuff do. do they do? We do. Mostly, you know, especially during this, uh, during the pandemic, during the quarantine time, I thought it was very useful because, I mean, every, everyone's kind of going through something and it's unprecedented, you know? So uh, how do you respond to being cooped up for months? You know, uh, people might handle that different. We don't know. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that about myself. I, this is the longest I've been with my family. Indoors even. So uh, not saying I, I needed it. It was a good experience for me to be home with my family. But for some people that are far away from everyone, they've left their families to be here. And they're not even getting to play the game or the, why they came here. They can't even experience it. Imagine the trauma. So we we wanted to give an, an opportunity for, for people to have an outlet, to speak to someone um, going forward, you know, I want to be able to use it like a lot of people use it, you know, uh, in soccer and sports is you know, how do I how do I visualize or prepare for a match? How do I find myself uh, in that zone or trying to get to my best mental state possible, despite my environment, everything that comes with it? Uh, How do I deal with adversity of when I'm not playing? Uh, how do I deal with a coach that hasn't spoken to me? And, you know, uh, I, mean, I can tell them, man, it's never personal for me. You know, I just make decisions based on. But, you know, of course, everyone in their own head should be playing. For them, it's, it's, <laughs> it's personal. It's personal. I'm not playing. It's personal. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but for them to always, to have an outlet, a third party, someone that, um, um, not myself, not my, not my coaching staff. And, you know, and that's, I don't reach out to that person and say, hey, Uh, what is so-and-so saying that's that's a that's private you know and i i want to keep it that way uh but i I think that the players need that outlet cool
0: very cool um i'd like to interview that person sometimes yeah yeah. um spoke about adversity what's some adversity that you faced uh growing up or as a player that's helped you as a coach
1: yeah uh there always seemed like there was something, you know, just just whether it's in regards, I, I would say after college or college and after I think growing up as a player, I was uh, in Tulsa, um, I was fairly dominant, you know, as a player, I uh, had a good youth career and things were pretty fairly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say easy, I mean, I had to work for all those things. But, you know, success was coming. Um, I was I played on good teams uh in college you know just to break into the pro game I mean it was like when is this going to happen what what are the avenues you know um who can I talk to to make it happen and, you know it was it was very difficult just to get there once I got there uh you know working in Nigeria I was supposed to play the match against Egypt and I, I get malaria you know and I have to go home uh and then you know I go to I go to LA and, well, I mean, to be fair, it's the best team in it. We weren't having a good season to start, but it was, uh, honestly, it was barely scraping to get into the playoffs, but uh, it was a very talented team and I wasn't playing, you know, it was just like, okay, I'm here, but I'm not getting an opportunity. And my team wins a championship. And it's like, you know, I feel a part of it because I work, but at the same time, it was somewhat unfulfilling, you know, Um, but what a great experience as far as what I can take from that, when you're not playing you get to observe and see a lot of things and then when you, you when you coach you can you can count back and reflect on some of those things that you saw when you're playing you kind of think about yourself playing you know you're a little bit more uh, individual but more like yeah, yeah. And very, very narrow blinders and you just do my job you do your job so on and so forth coaching is more holistic when you're not playing you reflect on yourself everything you know so then I go to Portland and things are fantastic. You know, I'm playing constantly. Um, you know, uh, the, they had decided they were going to go MLS. Uh, so they were then, boom, they make, they're gonna make they going to make pay cuts. And I'm like, well, I'm starting a family. I, I can't really do that. You know, during that time we we're negotiating and, you know, I, I have a pretty significant knee injury uh, that I, I did come back from. Uh, but not the same. I was never quite the same, just to be honest. And then, you know, starting. And the family is like, "Hey, I think for me, it's time to move on." You know, so there was always some roadblock, and it's not abnormal. I think that's it's rare for everything just to work out perfectly. You know, for some it does, but I would say the majority had uh, their situations like mine that you're up against some adversity, and then maybe finally you break through, and then there's another thing. Is that's life? You know what I mean? And I think that's what's prepared me for coaching because coaching's a, a, a Totally different animal. You know, that adversity is, is – everyone else's is also yours. Your players, what they go through is your problem. When you play, a, a, we could lose, you know what I mean? But I know if I played and everyone else needs to step up and do their part, you know, whatever. Uh, but when you're coaching, even when you feel like you're getting it about 100% right, I mean, there's a lot of outside uh, factors that go into it, and, and you, you have to look at yourself and still uh, fix it. You know, you can't say, "Oh, I did my part. I need these guys to do this." No, it's you. You have to deal with the players, whatever they're going through. You have to help them through those moments, or find someone to help them through those moments. So, um, it's not a, uh, it's not individual. It's 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 the whole process. It's everything from beginning to end.
0: You really have to take on responsibility and assume responsibility.
1: Yeah, you have to assume everything. Everything that happens, you have to assume. And some of it, you have zero control over, but the response to it is a hundred percent yours, you know even, even when you're dealing with a player, uh, a player could lose his mother you know a player could be getting married and they have to travel you know what you have to deal with it you know that's yours so you can't say no, put that on hold sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's reasonable I mean there's life things that happens that, that uh, takes, takes precedence even when you're a professional player there's some things that takes precedence. So, Um, That's just that's part of coaching.
0: How do you deal with all that responsibility mentally?
1: Um, I would say maybe life has prepared me for that. I would say during the season, uh, my my wife would say it's I don't sleep very often. You know, when (laughs) you prepare all week and you want to get everything perfect and then a match happens. And if you win, you're elated. And then but you have to think about the next week. So, boom. Or and you're dissecting what happened and what can we take from it to to win the following week. If you lose, it's like, well, what what did I get wrong? You know, like why didn't this work or whatever. So so it's it's a constant loop and it never stops. Um, I think at the end of the season, I would say maybe uh, two weeks to to kind of refresh and then you're scouting and then you know organizing preseason. You're back to it again. So uh, even in that two weeks. My family go on vacation or something like that, but after three or four days, I'm I'm already back to to coaching mentally and trying to figure out, you know, how to how to improve or how to improve the team. It's
0: constant improvement.
1: Yeah, it's a, it, it never stops. It never stops. So, uh, but that's also that's also the enjoyable part. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a everlasting process. You know, um, and maybe at some point uh, when you Hopefully, you've lasted long enough in the game. You get to go back and reflect and and you get to uh, reminisce about those things. But until then, you're deep deep into it.
0: What's been one of your favorite moments as a coach where you, like, you figured out how to beat this team and the team executed your plan perfectly and it was just, like, nailed it?
1: Yeah, there's been a few good moments like that. I I remember the first game when I took over as interim. uh, the interim coach, we hadn't won, I think, in 14 games or so. And I think, I mean, I, I won't say it's myself, but I mean, the players, you, you, you can tell the players the support that were the, the players gave me for the match, and we we won the next that first game 2-0, you know. And players, I mean, I got We were emotional, you know. Players after the game, whistle blows, dropping to their knees, crying, hugging each other because to endure. Uh, you know, no one likes losing and to endure long periods of that. I mean, it, it, the wear on you is it's a lot, a lot of emotions there. So, I mean, that's one thing, whatever happens in coaching, uh, whatever level, I, I will never forget that first the first match as a head coach and, and winning that match and uh, the emotions that were in that game. Um, we had a – I won't say in terms of execution because there was a lot of goals in this game uh, last year, San Antonio, or well, there was some good execution also. Um, we had, we had a uh, plan in the match in some certain area of the fields. We, we really thought we could dominate. Um, and we came out in the game. I think it was, um, a minute into the game, we scored from a build up play. That was probably 20 passes or so and finished with a great goal. I mean, just like we've been doing all week at training, you know, and it was like, wow, that was fantastic. You know, and then, uh, 10 minutes later, same thing. Pass, pass, pass. Players get into the, the positions that we, we wanted them to get in. Boom, goal. Again, up to 0 um, Then after that, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we had been in that position that often. We're up to 0 and coasting so early. Um, so that was, was a new problem that we hadn't <clears throat> had. So I'm managing the, managing the lead. So we actually, this, in the first half, uh, they, scored, they scored two by the time it got to the 30th minute maybe 25th, 26th minute, 2-2. Two, two. So it was like, oh, my gosh, the, you know, the momentum, you know, had changed. And then we get a PK in the 45th minute right before half, uh, boom, to go up 3-2 again. And then, uh, no, sorry, that was the third goal. They had – they were up – they were up 3-2, and we scored the tie right before half. So we were kind of on the ropes. I I, I don't think if we don't get that that goal right before half. I mean, we maybe we lose – Five, five to three or something like that. Um, so we we went from two zero up to three two down, all in one half. Boom, we score, make it three three. And then there's this weather delay. I mean, I think there's some it's, it's Tulsa, right? So there's some some, some tornado or something. Going, you know that comes. No making,
0: tornado. Who <laughs> I mean,
1: you knows? Always, I, I think every time we had a game at home, it was something. But uh, it was like an hour at half. I mean. Uh, the break that we took, and I think the other coach was like, uh, I think at that point we scored, and the momentum was us. And was, I think he, he was like, hey, we should call it. We're never going to get this game done. And I'm like, no, we should play it. You know, we're, we're kind of drawing back and forth. And then uh, the referees agreed to wait it out a bit. And then we started the second half, and we played the whole half, and we're going back and forth, and we scored in the 87th minute. Uh, to win the game four three at home, and I, we just went crazy, man. I mean, I'm pretty
0: sure I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that um, back and we,
1: forth. Yeah, Freddie. I think Fredinho Freddie scored, ran over, slid about twenty five yards. I think he almost took me out. I had to like jump. <laughs> I had to like jump on him, and we we piled on top of him. Uh, that was great. Great game. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Um, what have you done to make things more fun in training? What are some tips or advice you could give other coaches to keep things yeah, more
1: fun? Yeah, I think well at at the professional level, I think a lot of these players are driven by you know comp- competition. Uh, so even though right now we're in a non-contact period, you know we don't have a game. The pressure of a match is, is not there. So I mean, we want to work and be efficient, but at the same time, the players mentally. They, they need to be able to relax, you know, because you build throughout the week and then the match happens and boom, the players get to release and then you cycle up and you build again through the week. And again, so we don't have that climax at the end of the week. So the players are like on edge and it's building and boom, they need to enjoy it, you know? So for us, the players are enjoying it right now. We, we kind of do some stationary work or we're kind of rotating and um, they're just, they love finishing and scoring goals. So, uh, that kind of, their groups are, we, we rate, we kind of rate what um, the goal scoring, you know, so if it's a six minute station, how many goals do they score? Uh, the GPS load, the players wear the GPS and we, we rank the groups who's working the hardest. And I mean, that's, that's when you know you have good people and you can raise intensity by counting goals and work ethic. I mean, you, you know, you have a good group and then sometimes you just, as a coach, you just have to show your human side, you know. I think that's important. Um, sometimes I'm sure that they get sick of me saying two yards here and move here and open your body like this or whatever. Or, you know, sometimes they just they just need to see you relax and, and be a human and joke around with them. And, you know, today, um, before we, we had a – it was pretty hot today. We had a pretty good session work-wise, and then they had a gym session right after. But in between that time, I'm there there's some guys that are crossing the ball and I'm trying, I'm doing finishing with some of the players and, you know, I'm hitting some well and not some well and they're giving me a hard time, you know. I mean, th- those are the things that, I think those are the things that we all remember, our players remember is like having Banner back and forth with the coach and your teammates and those locker room moments and um, of course the emotions and the ups and downs, but it's, it's important that y- you have fun. I think um, I was I was honored to go, um, Todd Bean. Have you heard of Todd Bean? Yeah. Todd Bean, um, he, he lives in Spain, in Barcelona. He married Johan Cruyff's daughter. Uh, and he worked, he basically worked in, you know, the Cruyff Foundation, the school, and he kind of started his own program also. I got to hear him speak about two or three years ago. And I, and I actually actually had um, Johan Cruyff's book. I was reading his book, My Turn, at the same time. And I'm not kidding you how these things work so i'm I'm coming down the elevator to hear him speak. I don't know what he looks like, so I'm coming down and he's like, "Hey, are you going to go hear this guy Todd Bean speak and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, actually I, I am and He said, "Why don't me and you just skip this whole thing and go get a beer you know and I just kind of started laughing, and he's like, "What book are you reading? I had the book with me and I, and I didn't think anything about it that you know he's the the son in law to you know to but but he said, and I said, oh, my turn by Cruyff. And he said, I mean, I can see his face change. And he kind of got emotional because Cruyff di- had di- had died by that time he had passed away. Uh, and he said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm Todd Bean, you know, and, you know, obviously that's my my father-in-law. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, the the time I got in the elevator at the same time with this guy, and I had this book in my hand. And I'm like, I'm just one of those guys that, you know, when sometimes things work like that, I'm like. I was just supposed to meet you here. So maybe, maybe, I think maybe you should, can you write something inside the book uh, and on behalf of your, um, on your father-in-law and, you know, he kind of got emotional. It's like, okay, well you're going to have to give me some time on this. Give me a day or two to get this back to you. So he spoke a couple he spoke that day. Uh, and then the, the following day, you know, he called me up. He's like, Hey, is Michael here? Um, I, I have your book. You know, and I took the book uh, and I read it and he and it said it literally, uh, if if it's not fun, it doesn't make sense, you know, by and that's he's like, and those are the words that Cruyff would tell everyone. If it's not fun, it doesn't make sense. So that's for youth players, 100 uh, percent. They're there to enjoy themselves. It's not it's not about the coach's ego and what the coach wants. Of course, we're here to develop players and things like that, but. It doesn't have to be anti-enjoyable, and it's no different on the professional side. I mean, we kind of have objectives that we need to meet every week and the criteria of training, and we, we're under pressure to win matches, but you have to find moments to enjoy it or it's not worth getting up for. You know, so uh, I, I kind of I take that to heart. Um, things are going well. Things are going poorly. You know, you have, to, you have to reflect and remember why you do it, and you have to have fun doing it.
0: What a serendipitous moment being able to meet him on that elevator. Um, Yeah. um, Speaking of having fun, I have uh, on my wheelchair the letters HF. Just little, it's like little one inch letters to remember to have fun. HF.
1: Ah, that's it. Always have fun. That's it.
0: That's Uh, it. um, Well, tell me uh, about how you develop leaders within your club.
1: Yeah, I think what's important about leadership, um, especially modern leadership, it's less hierarchical, you know, it's, it's, it's shared. Uh, And I've been fortunate enough to go, I've read some books and, you know, some great leaders and I've heard some, some great speakers on leadership and they talk about, you know, uh, the difference between an army and not to say the army is not fantastic, but the difference between an army and like the SEALs. You know, um, the Army has someone, you know, at the top that's a captain or a leader, and they say, we do things like this, and they go about it. And if you're a SEAL, it's smaller, but the leadership is it's more level, you know, and, and you give people opportunities to, to take part in that leadership. So although I'm the coach and I make the, the final decision, uh, my coaching staff, they'll tell you I, I ask them their opinion. I want them to be honest with me because it's part of their development also as coaches to – and so they take sessions, and sometimes, and and sometimes, I. What's your honest opinion on doing it this way? And they can tell, no, you're crazy, you know, oh, whatever, or no, you, we had it right the first time. You know, I think with players, it's the same. I mean, I think to to listen to them and see what they say, and sometimes, you know, it could be totally off the wall, or sometimes it's something you hadn't you didn't think about. But I think giving the opportunity and encouraging people to speak their thoughts. Um, speak their mind about things and situations uh, to give them, to make them feel confident uh, in their environment about discussing things. And then if it's a safe zone, people do that more and more often and people emerge. Um, So um, with our team, uh, I I definitely asked or found out, you know, we've had, we have 25 players, six or seven of these guys have been captains, where they're from, you know, in their own teams or even national teams. Who who should, who should be the, who should wear the armband for us? You know, Um, you know, an armband, it's not a, it's not quite a formality for me, uh, but there's some guys that that weren't going to wear it. I have a captain and a vice captain. So the other four or five guys that have had that experience and that want it aren't going to get it. But, you know, what I tell them is everyone has an opportunity to be a leader. Now, maybe you don't go out and do the coin toss and show which jersey we're wearing but how we control our environment, how do you speak to other players uh, within the group or, or individually? I mean, that's what being a leader is, how to, how to my relationship with you and how, how we discuss, you know, and how you uh, take my message and, you know, and help me uh, process that with the team. That's being a leader, you know? Um, so it's not, it's not always about the captain's armband. It's about uh, being open. Uh, to to making things improve in the right way and to get everyone on the same page, that's leadership. It's and sometimes maybe a player can be disappointed uh, because they want that formal leadership opportunity, but at the same time, uh, that's not what it's about. And I, I'll tell you, one of the, the one of the captains we have now, I had the discussion with, and that's that's why I went with him. Is because you know when I when I spoke to him about it and said, hey, well, this is the direction we want to go, and he said. I appreciate it, but if you didn't give it to me, I would still do the same thing. I would still support the team. I would still do what you ask, and I would still help us get on the same page. So, uh, I appreciate the honor, is what the player mentioned. But, um, I, and I'll do it to the best of my ability, but it's, it's just an armband to me. I will still do it if you choose me or not. So, that's that, that humility right there. Uh, that's being a leader.
0: What a perfect response.
1: Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Great
0: talk about some goals you have um for the team coming up um and how do you go about setting goals for yourself
1: yeah i I know this this season is not what we planned obviously you know um i think when we come back it's going to be a bit different i think it's going to be a shortened season and maybe we're playing i think we talked about 16 games or so but playing like twice a week which is you know It's very difficult, so uh, I am happy we have depth, but I had individual meetings with all the players and I asked them um, because our goal, the club's goal, the club's objective is to get to the playoffs. You know, uh, first and foremost, let's establish ourselves as a playoff team. And then, you know, as we move forward consistently doing that, you know, of course, we want to be a championship team like everyone, but first the process to get, to the playoff level consistently uh, is is the first stop, you know. Uh, so since this uh, the break in the pandemic, you know, I come back and I ask the players individually, hey, have have your goals changed? Have our do you think our team goals have changed because of everything that's happened? You know, and not not one of them hesitated in saying it's still the same. Um, you know, I, I like to I like to talk about the end in mind and then work my way back to setting goals. So. If we're a playoff team, let's talk about what a playoff team looks like. You know, in the past, it's been you need this many points, home and away. You know, uh, you need this many goals scored, depending on for our style of play. Uh, it needs to look like this. You know, what can you contribute? What do you see yourself contributing to that? You know, what's your role, uh, given our style of play and the objectives that need to get us to the playoffs? And, you know, and players need to, they should have an answer for that, you know, and it has to make sense. Um, so for us, the goals have been changed. The, the players set the goal. They all feel like we can be a playoff team, uh, even despite the change that have happened, because well will have to tell you guys, well, the load is going to be much more. So physically, are you capable or do we trust the depth of our team to still get us there? Yeah, we believe we can do it. We'll, we have to, we have to work hard in these next, we've been working already. We haven't stopped. Uh, we've been holding each other accountable to that. Uh, so we maintain a good base of fitness. So we are ready to play two games of a week and we do trust that players that can come in and make a difference, you know, so um, every, everyone's committed to that. So none of that's changed.
0: Cool. Well, I'm sure it's difficult to keep that end goal in mind during this pandemic when, you know, like you said, there isn't that pressure valve release every week with the game. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah I, you know, I've mentioned that to the players and I said, imagine not, You know, being a professional athlete and going a year without playing, I mean, that could be detrimental to your career. So what we have to do is we have to focus on the the moment. So the training that we're doing that we're allowed to do, well, let's be good at it because that's all you got, you know, and, you know, so we're not getting matches every week, which help you develop and become a better player. So we have to focus on the training. We have to get really good uh, at the details of, of training. So... Um, that's that's in the small in our small way. Um, that's how I'm telling the players to kind of keep that edge because it's, it's it's important for their careers.
0: Yeah, staying in the moment and doing the best with what you got.
1: Yeah, 100. Uh, percent I know because me, I'm I'm not as active as as active as them, and and during that the quarantine time, the weight and the my body's hurting. You know, getting back in coaching, it's like, man, it's like you, you know you really really i value that time i get to spend on the field with the coaches because that that keeps me in decent shape you know so when i'm not doing that like man i gotta coach forever (laughs) because it's because it's it's not easy you know yeah
0: yeah uh last question what word of advice would you give your 18 year old self if you could go back in time
1: wow that's, that's a good question um you know, just the way of life has gone, the way, you know, it is for everyone, the difficulties that come with it, I would say just to be brave, uh, to be humble, because sometimes things come, um, sometimes things can come easy, and that could be great and fantastic. Never get too high. Never, never be too boastful. Um, never celebrate too long, because there's always adversity um, around the corner. And when that adversity comes, don't don't be too low. Uh, don't let it affect you that you can't get around the next corner again. Th- that it holds you back. Uh, so it's it's to keep to keep keep moderation. So things are going well, keep going, keep going. When things are going poor, keep going. Um, you'll have time to to live in those moments and enjoy those moments. But uh, I think it's important to to not get caught being too high or too low, uh, given given any situation in life.
0: Love it, love it, love it very great advice Michael thank you so much for being on the podcast I've loved it I've had a great time getting to know you a little bit better learning about your your background and and your values and what all you stand for and what all is to come so
1: yeah no I I appreciate it you I appreciate you having me I know you you have a great story yourself I pre I you know I've watched some of yours and um the topics are, are fantastic and uh people should take advantage of them good questions uh really in depth i, I really enjoy it also thank you
0: cool thanks I can't wait to see fc tulsa this summer, or this, right, well, this summer yeah. whenever, whenever they start back
1: like. yeah hopefully hopefully uh july 11th there's a date there so looking forward to it cool see you right all right take care Bye.